0: everyone. This is Regina. Hi,
1: horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the
0: Horse Industry Podcast. Look what we have on our desk. We have Misty and Stormy from Shinkating Island, the
1: brewer models, brewer horse models on our desk. Okay, let's see a, a raise of hands. Who listening today has Misty and Stormy? Who?
0: Let's see. Okay. Oh, I sensed it. It was like 99.9% of women listening to this have a Misty and Stormy in their closet.
1: Like, right? Who wouldn't? Like, I remember being so excited. So first of all, I loved the book and I had the book because, you know, back... In the days when we were children, we weren't playing video games and things like that. We were actually reading books about horses because we were so horse pony obsessed.
0: And there weren't a lot of series books on horses and ponies back then. And I think that Misty of Chincoteague Island is literally, in fact, I think there's some elementary schools that actually required you to read that book. Cause yeah, there's I some
1: historical that that. Yeah. significance to it. Yeah. Well, and I think that what we talked about too is that, I mean, I, As a child, I assumed that the story was real, Mm -hmm. but it was fiction. But it's not that far from
0: reality. It's not. And so Lynn and I are going to do The Ponies of Chincoteague Island in two episodes. This is the first one, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to have a part two. So the first part of this series on Chicateague Island ponies is a little bit of the backstory and the history, the fact-based. And then the second one is going to be about Misty and some current day Chicateague pony information and some of Misty's
1: offspring. So, Gina, I want you to tell me how these beautiful Pinto ponies got trapped on an island, right? I just
0: assumed that the shipwreck was was fact, was true. And come to find out after reading and reading and reading and researching, there's some conflicting opinions about how the ponies came to the United States and how they ended up on these islands. Now, first of all, the biggest misconception is that the Chincoteague ponies don't live on Chincoteague Island,
1: right? And that was shocking. I mean, I assumed that they did too, but they don't. They live on Assateague Island. Correct. And the islands are next to each other. Assateague Island is a barrier island,
0: and it's much wilder than Chicoteague Island. And no one lives there. There's no towns on Assateague Island. At one point, though, there was a little town. There was. And there was
1: 250 people that lived basically off the land on Assateague Island. Mm -hmm. And then they all decided it was a bad idea, and they left the island to the ponies. Right. Now, now that we've said that nobody lives on Assateague Island
0: today, we're probably going to get 49 emails that say, hey, I live on Assateague Island. (laughs) But everything that we've read is that it's only inhabited by the ponies. So on Assateague Island, there's the Maryland herd and the Virginia herd of the Chincoteague ponies.
1: I find this fascinating, too, the difference in the two herds. Right. We're going to get into that, but. And the the herd is actually, it's divided
0: by a fence between the Maryland and Virginia state borders. So the National Park Service takes care of the Maryland herd, and the Chincoteague Fire Department, volunteer firemen, take care of the Virginia herd, and they do it in a couple different ways, which we're going to get to when we talk about the pony auction. So... The story that I always heard, and Lynn, I know you heard this story too, is that the ponies just literally swam off of a shipwreck. Right. And that's probably the case. And if you look at maps, and I know a lot of us Understand this, but the shipwrecks up and down the eastern seaboard, there's like a Brazilian of them. Like, why would you even get on a ship on the eastern seaboard? Because they wrecked all the time. They wrecked all the time. They didn't have our modern navigation tools. And so they had to use, okay, not only lighthouses, but the stars. Okay.
1: Stars mean nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to figure out where the Big Dipper oh, I can, is. I can find the Big Dipper Okay, well, on okay. occasion. It depends on where I'm at. But north, south, east, or west, uh, I, it, I struggle with that. Totally <laughs> over it. And you add in the fact that
0: fog, you add in storms, and the sea can be quite stormy. Ships got in trouble all the time. And so when that happens, they've got nothing guiding
1: them, and boom, they run aground on sandbars. So do you want to know when the lighthouse came to be? On yeah. uh, the uh, Assateague and on yeah. Chincoteague. yeah, when one of our presidents, Harrison, I believe, uh-huh. wrecked his yacht <laughs> off of those islands, and so then guess what? In the eighteen hundreds, there was a lighthouse. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That is apparently everybody survived the little
0: yacht wreckage, but you know, oh, is the lighthouse named after him? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so this particular probably drunk <laughs> ran aground on a yacht. So this particular shipwreck, it's called the La Galga. Now, every time I see my notes or read about it, I think it says Lady Gaga. So if I mispronounce that as I share the story, please understand why. So the the La Galga. The La Galga was traveling, it, it was a it was a man of warship, a Spanish man of warship, which was basically a ship that protected the uh, the rest of the fleet. And so they were traveling from Cuba to Spain. And what they would typically do is they would come up the coast. And then when they got to Cape Canaveral, they went east out into the open sea towards Spain. Well, on this ship were about 60 soldiers. And because of the fact that there were 60 soldiers on there, they just assumed that there were the ponies because the soldiers always traveled with the ponies. So The ship actually was a little behind the rest of the fleet. They got themselves into trouble with a hurricane. They were pretty much pushed all the way up the East Coast, and they ran aground in between Chicoteague and Assateague Island. Now, when that happened, none of the people on the ship died. Nobody died then. And... Later, it was like three days later, like the local Native Americans came and helped many of the ship people, shipmates, shipmen, across to the mainland.
1: Do you think those Indians eventually regretted helping? <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> I mean, how nice of them, right? Welcome. 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 Yeah.
0: We'll take the rest of your stuff, but welcome. (laughs) So anyway, they got to the mainland, and this is the time when they're pretty sure that the ponies who are on the ship also swam across and, and just stayed on the islands. Now, Pasifinos? Well, right. There's some questions about whether or not this shipwreck story is true. The conflicting idea is that mainland people, colonists, or whomever, just would let their horses go on the island, and that's where the Shinkatied ponies came from. That was probably after the Indians scalped them,
1: <laughs> and they got loose. <laughs> but the Indians only scalped them because they the settlers and- <laughs> stole the land. And there's a whole other story. This is going down yeah. south. We're, we're yeah. going to bring it up yeah. from there. But, okay. okay, go okay. ahead. So the the theory is that
0: actually the ponies on the island were not from the shipwreck. It doesn't make any sense. They're just let horses that are let loose. Well, that doesn't make any sense either because back then the horses had a lot of value. They had, they were transportation. They farmed with them. They farmed with them. So there's no logic to think that someone from the mainland would just take some horses out to Chincoteague or Assateague Island and let them go. And they also eventually had some records about farmers who were grazing cattle, and they had their horses, and they kept really detailed records. So there's not a lot to say that the people who think that they were just turned loose, there's not much credit to that. But there is credit because they did some genetic testing on the Shinkateek ponies, and there has some those Pasifino genetics in there. And those are Spanish
1: horses. Right. And so, and, and it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. From Cuba to Spain, yep. there'd be Pasifinos. It'd be a little bit, the Pasifinos are a little bit smaller statue. Yep. And maybe Spaniards are short. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to anybody with Spanish heritage that's tall. <laughs> but maybe the color because there's so many Pintos, so maybe the color came from the few stray indian ponies that yeah. somehow swam to the island and said hi and crossed with the pasfinos
0: well and the, and I, I just speculated that 100% total speculation here's another i did read one source that said that there was a hurricane and it was it was the hurricane before the hurricane that misty of shinkatig lived through. There was a hurricane even before that. And in that hurricane, it pretty much wiped out all the ponies. And so, I mean, there was a few left. And so some brilliant mainland person thought, okay, let me bring some miniature horses over here and try to get this the herds going again. Now, I only saw that in one source location, so I don't know how true that is.
1: I'm going to go with yours.
0: I'm going to say the Indian ponies came across and said hi to the Chincoteague ponies that had the Pasofino genetics.
1: Well, and I mean, if you think this started in the 1600s mm-hmm. and 1700s, mm-hmm. and okay, when a hurricane comes in, it can empty a basin of water, like the water between the mainland and the island. Oh. So let's say let's say that happens, and the wild stallion... Says, hey, I smell mares. Right. And he kind of trots across Uh the basin while the water is all sucked out to sea. Yep. And then, boom, you've got (laughs) cross-pollination. Cross-pollination. Which comes to the fact that a lot of people call these ponies feral, right? That makes me angry.
0: Yeah. I mean, Lynn and I talk about, we were talking about feral cats in our barn cats episode. Feral is not a good term.
1: It's not flattering. It's not flattering. I don't appreciate it. I love I love Misty of Chincoteague she and all wasn't, the ponies. Yeah, not they're not feral. And
0: they talk about how, so, and we'll get to the auction in a second, but the herds are managed, again, like we share. The Maryland herd is managed by the National Park Service. The Virginia herd is managed by the Chincoteague Fire Department, the volunteer fire Fighters f- fire... Hey, farters? farters. And so there's this conflicting idea whether or not the horses were left or if there was actually a shipwreck. And for a long time... They, being the public, the government, has had decided that no, nope, it wasn't true. The Legalga it didn't happen or the shipwreck was someplace else. So there's this organization. It's a salvage recovery organization. and they found the
1: remains of the Legalga. I love that. That just gave me goosebumps huge because goosebumps. I feel
0: like that's truly where
1: those ponies came from. 100%.
0: And so we know for a fact, and now there's some, there's some negotiations between the United States government and the, and the government of Spain as to who actually owns the remains of that shipwreck. But, the good news is that they acknowledge that the shipwreck is there and it's funny because they some of the some of the history describes it as when the ship went aground there it actually connected the two islands for a little while because the sand kind of overtook the the ship and the destruction of the ship and connected the islands for for a little bit so the ship was there the it was it was fact so the the oral history that a lot of people truly believed in, that were handed down from generation to generation to generation in the area. And that a lot of people kind of poo-pooed and said, nope, it wasn't true. There's was no documentation. Well, guess what? It was true. The Legalga did exist. The La Galga did have Spaniards on it. And Spaniards usually, almost always, for sure, traveled with the ponies or the horses. And so it's Pretty much confirmed that it, the ponies did come from a shipwreck.
1: I like that story, and I'm glad that they all made it to shore because we're going to assume that every single pony made it to shore. It sounds like it. Now, the some of the, the
0: some of the Spaniards did not, but I'm sorry for their families. I am too. It was a long time ago, but the ponies did. So, okay, that so that's pretty much we know that's how the ponies got to the island. So now the ponies are on the island. So what happens? They've got to control that somehow right?
1: Yeah, and I think for years the ponies self- Managed their herds, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll see that in deer herds mm-hmm. or whatever. When those foals got to weaning age, the mother kind of runs them off, and mm-hmm. there's two separate herds. Mm-hmm. And who knows? In the 1800s, there might have been more than one herd or one band of of ponies, and they kind of self. Well, there's disease and there's sickness and yeah.
0: death too. And yeah. you know, now you pull in modern day humans, and nobody wants to
1: see ponies that are. Sick and old. I mean, it's not a good tourist attraction. No, especially not when you're on the Virginia side, and it's a huge, giant draw of people yeah. to your community. Yeah. So they do have to make sure it
0: looks pretty.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they've turned the pony swim into the Disney of Shinkateague Island. For sure. And this is kind of, I shared with Lynn,
0: this is kind of where I bought the ticket to the struggle bus. Because the herds are managed very differently. So the Maryland herd, which is managed by the National Park Service, they use contraception. I assume darted hormones or however that works. I know that's how a lot of the wild herds out West are managed. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's going to be pretty similar. So the ponies on the Virginia side, they are actually managed very differently the pony penning started. I think it was like in
1: 1925-ish, 95 years. I mean, it's so. And then, like in 2020, because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. they canceled the mm-hmm. the swim. They sold the ponies, mm-hmm. but so it's approximately 95 years that they've been doing this. It is a huge tourist attraction. I
0: mean, it's a big deal. It happens at the end of July. Now, it is important to note, though, that the saltwater cowboys who manage the penning they actually pull the ponies over in April and October too. I read, and they kind of give them some vaccinations, look some farrier work, but the big penning and the big auction happens at the end of July. Now, I had this Pollyanna view about this. I thought that the herd just
1: kind of came over, and then they just kind of sold some horses. This is weaning. It's weaning. And so the part that traumatized me the most is that my precious horses, I cannot imagine them swimming across a channel with three month old babies at their side. No. So that really worried me. And from all of my research and all of the years that they've done this, they've never lost a mare full to drowning. I put the human side of it on it, and I think, okay, here I am. I'm on this beautiful beach
0: resort, and I have my child with me. Oh, and now they're making me swim. Oh, my gosh. Screaming crowds. Oh, my
1: gosh. And then they take my baby. You've terrible. been watching too many movies. Oh, this just but terrible. I, but I, I think it's probably very traumatic. I'm going to guess for the mayors mm-hmm. that have been doing this year after year, it's mm-hmm. not traumatic. It's mm-hmm. traumatic for the mayors because they pretty know much know what's going to happen. But yeah. for the little weanlings, those little babies, oh. it's got to be. It's, it's got to be frightening. It's got to be frightening. And as Lynn pointed out,
0: they're very careful about getting these animals over to the to Chincoteague Island, and some of the mares who are very heavy and full or some of the older ponies or some babies who are too young, they're actually transported... Across, they don't have to swim, yeah. and I don't think even the ones that swim, I don't have to think
1: they have to swim too long, right? No, and so what they do, they do it during a slack tide. So one of the articles I read that was kind of funny is that you've got all these people lined up along the street, and I mean, so much of this depends on the moon and the stars and all that kind of stuff as far as a tide goes. Yeah, so they do it from on a slack tide, which could be for anywhere from like seven a.m. to one p.m. And during that slack tide, there's about a half hour period where there's no current. Okay. And the ponies actually only swim for just under four minutes. That's not bad. No. I mean, I was assuming there's currents and waves, but there are boats. Everywhere. everywhere. If you look at it, I mean, these little weanlings are coming across and there are boats everywhere. And like, I don't want to turn people off mm-hmm. from what they're doing in Virginia about, mm-hmm. but I think us horse lovers that are listening to this episode would all have a care or a concern. Absolutely. And and then I think, too, that
0: Chincoteague and Assateague Island are so connected to not only this event, but to that whole area that these horses ponies are probably pretty used to people. Yeah. So it's probably not as traumatic as we think think it is. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's some trauma, but
1: they're probably, like you said, kind of used to the drill. I think they see humans every day. Like, mm-hmm. from the Facebook pages that I've joined, and actually I've kind of enjoyed them, they're like the the ship captains or the tour boat captains take pictures and they announce every time they see a new foal and they can say, this mayor Daisy just had a foal out of Riptide and it's number three, th- the third sighting of the year. So, I think they see humans pretty close and you could even take a kayak out yeah and like the photos that i've seen the people on kayaks like they're almost up to the shore and the ponies are wading in the water mm-hmm. so again maybe it's not as traumatic as what we think it might be
0: yeah and i also read an article that the pony some of the ponies are tall enough that at that slack tide they can actually touch the ground so it's not like they're struggling like you see pictures of the ponies with their heads in the air yeah and you're like Oh my gosh, are yeah. they drowning? Yeah. But no, I think, and and I would think too nowadays, people are, they're probably going to be pretty careful. You know, yeah. there's a
1: lot of people watching and... Yes, no, I think that there's a lot of people ready to jump in and, and try to save a drowning horse, but I don't think that any of the horses actually ever get close to that. And horses are very strong swimmers. They are. One thing I do struggle
0: with a little bit though is the fact that pretty much anybody can buy. I had this, again, Pollyanna view that all the... Potential buyers are vetted, background checks, you know. Like if you try to get a dog from the Humane Society? Yes. <laughs> Blood type, 14 references, yeah. home visit, the whole nine yards. It's not. anybody. You slap down your cash or a credit card, and you can go home with a Chincoteague pony. Yeah, they don't take checks, by the way. No checks. Apparently, that's not gone well. No, no. So that's that kind of is a concern of mine, but I can share that I did find out that they had the Chincoteague pony rescue, and it was established to kind of be there in case a potential buyer is unable to care for that pony. So my guess is that I'm sure it's not in a formal way, but I think probably a lot of the ponies are kind of kept track of,
1: I would think. And I mean, and it's not, they're not free. I mean, it's the average price, sales price from what I've been able to see is Mm $2,500, is is some a little bit less, some more. And there's some that do sell. So they do a buyback where they find... Donors and so some of the and like what I've seen on these Facebook pages are people going, Oh, I hope this is a buyback. I hope oh. this one goes back to the island. And so there are people that donate money and typically so the buyback is really a fundraiser, even an additional fundraiser for mm-hmm. the fire department. Mm-hmm. And some of those ponies have sold for ten, fifteen, eighteen thousand. Wow. That are the buybacks. The person I think you read that they get mm-hmm. a certificate yep. that says that it they get to name it and yeah. it goes and it goes back over
0: to the so clearly. Clearly, these ponies, these herds, both herds, are loved and cherished and watched, and they know. They're they're known. Yeah. Each pony is known. So the ponies themselves, they're between probably 12 and 13 hands. We know that a pony is under 14 hands tall, and a hand is four inches, for those of you that don't know. They are sturdy with long manes. They have a lot of them are the pinos, which of course Lynn and I really love. And it's funny because they talk about how they have big bellies. Do you know why they have big bellies? So I learned, but let's have you tell us. Okay. Apparently because they're in such a salty environment, you know, we think about going to the beach and you spend an hour there and you get out and your hair is like straw. Well, so much of what they eat, You know, coastline grasses and so forth Is coated with salt from the sea And so they actually drink A ton of water And that's reportedly why they Kind of
1: have their big bellies So like if I eat a bag of chips Yes, I was going to say Wait, is that why Every day? Yeah (laughs) Yeah So one of the things that I've always worried about are the hurricanes. I lived in Florida for several mm-hmm. years and I remember hurricanes coming towards the coast and we evacuated our horses out of Southwest Florida because of the hurricane coming. Didn't so, you have to like spray paint your name on the side of the horse? They so they do that in Florida. Like when there's storms coming like that, mm-hmm. they will spray paint their phone number Ugh. or some sort of identification on the animals, the mm-hmm. cattle, the horses, because they're gonna lose all boundaries oh, when geez. these storms come through. Mm-hmm. So I worried about that with these with the ponies and from what I've been able to understand in modern years there's been several storms that have come towards that island or been on the island. So there the barrier fence from what I understand the barrier fence when there's a storm coming is opened allowing the ponies to seek higher ground. So in modern years, there have been no casualties of mm-hmm. ponies during hurricanes. Didn't you say, because I think about,
0: when I think about a hurricane, I think, well, wouldn't it be really hard for them to get across? Isn't there a lot more water?
1: But then didn't you say that sometimes the water can recede before the hurricane comes? Yeah, at, at some point during a hurricane. I mean, like I've seen like where we vacation, yeah. that whole bay inland uh-huh. is No water. It's all out to sea. And then it comes with the rushing rushing back. It can go over the island. And so that's why they let the let the mares and foals and the Mm -hmm. and the herds get to higher land. Speaking of fences, did I mention when we first started this that the Two herds are divided by a fence on the line. Yeah, the, okay. between the different states to okay. manage the different herds. Yeah. yeah. Which, okay. which makes sense. And again, yeah. they, they manage them quite differently. But again, you know, we've talked about the the care of the herd, and, and they truly do on both sides take good care of these herds. And in 2018, they had what was called the swamp cancer mm-hmm. that killed seven of the ponies on the Chincoteague side. And so there was these lesions, it was very expensive to treat. And imagine trying to treat a herd of, I mean, they probably had to bring them back over to the mainland to treat them, or or maybe they have some sort of penning system on Assateague Island. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they came up with a vaccine. So now in the last article that I read in 2020, all of the Ponies that were on the island had had their third vaccination, and they had no had no more instances of the swamp cancer. Mm-hmm.
0: I also read that they vaccinate them for West Nile and also equine encephalitis or Triple E that we all do here in the Midwest and obviously other places as well. And the Swamp Cowboys too had mentioned that I read an article where. If the weather is particularly bad in the winter, they will go over and give them hay or they will break water in fresh areas so that the ponies can get to some fresh water if things are are really bad. So clearly, these ponies are loved and cared for.
1: Yeah, and so I think when Gina and I are famous rich podcasters, <laughs> we are going to go to the pony auction and we're going to buy weanlings and bring them and live in our beautiful farm and yep. have our own misties of Chincoteague on our pony farm. We have a plan.
0: We have a plan. (laughs) And our next plan is part two, where we do talk about Misty. So make sure that you join us for part two next week. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.